What's up, guys? Rick here with the betting and one and done preview for this week's Wells Fargo Championship. We're going to talk through some potential outright bets, some head to head matchups and some options for your one and done leagues. Of course, there's already a full DFS preview out. There's already a sleepers video out. There will be a live chat on Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel, and then 8.15 p.m. Eastern Time on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. That is the Jock Market Power Hour. That is Stock Market DFS. So there is a ton of stuff coming this week. And all of the tools that you see in this video, as with every video, are available on rickrungood.com. That's my site. I use the tools. I love it. I hope you do, too. But without further ado, let's jump into this week's Wells Fargo Championship. All right, what you're looking at here is the tournament predictor tool. This is where I simulate the results of this event 1,000 times. Uh, players can finish in every single position, and then we take the amount of times they finish inside uh, the top 10, top 5, win it, um, and compare that to the odds and see if there is any value. So um, I, I actually find personally... <clears throat> You know, before we jump into uh, what the numbers say, I found this to be kind of a difficult, weird little week. Um, you know, you've got uh, a couple of guys at the top that I really like, but they're short odds. And then there's kind of darts you can throw later. I didn't think there was a ton of, of, of value, but let's, let's jump into what the simulations say which is that Justin Thomas wins this event 13% of the time. You compare that to his implied odds uh, via the, the, the bookmakers, and you're talking about a 3% value because he is uh, implied to win this event 10% of the time. I have him winning it 13% of the time. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I've talked ad nauseum about Justin Thomas this week. Um, he is doing what he normally does. Uh, be phenomenal from tee to green. Have a weird uh, outlier putting week. It usually does not continue week over week. I'm I'm completely fine running back out to Justin Thomas this week. 10 to 1 or 9 to 1, depending on where you're getting it. It's a little short. I don't love it. I don't love betting guys at that number, but I certainly see the uh the 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 idea of it, right? If you want to have somebody who's likely to be in the mix on Sunday, this is a really good bet. John Rahm, uh for me, <clears throat> so he's 10 to 1, 9 to 1, 11 to 1, depending on where you are getting it. I have him winning this 11.1% of the time. For me, he is personally the most under or, or maybe overlooked golfer this week, at least of the top tier players. I probably prefer him in DFS settings because I think his ownership is going to be lower than it should be. Uh, an outright number still probably too short for me. So the way that I'm going to deploy John Rahm, and I absolutely love the way he sets up for this week. I tweeted this out last night. He has gained strokes off the tee. Let me make sure I get this right. In 26 consecutive measured events, that is every event of both this season and last season. He is the only golfer to accomplish a 100% rate with at least five starts in the last two years. He's got 26 starts. He's absolutely phenomenal off the tee. That is one of the most important skill sets that we have here at Quail Hollow. Um, eight top tens in his last 10 starts. Like it, there, I just don't have any knocks against John Rahm. I don't love the number. So the way that I'm probably going to handle this is uh, get my exposure to Rahm in DFS lineups and matchups is probably the route I'm going to go for John Rahm. I still don't love betting a guy this short to win the golf tournament just because golf is so weird. Golf is so volatile. Next up, I have Xander winning at 8.5% of the time, Patrick Reed winning at 8.2% of the time, and Bryson DeChambeau winning it at 8%. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I, Bryson is probably the first guy that I think there is value on 
uh, in terms of him actually winning this golf tournament. So you, you have to shop this number. Um, some places have it at 15, some have it at 14, some have it, at, I've seen it at 18 to one. You, you probably want to shop that number. If you go to rickrungood.com slash bets, um, there's three books there. There's, I've, I've got offers for free bets. Uh, you should check those books out. You should sign up if you haven't and shop this number big time. Bryson has not been as good as we would like in his last couple of starts, but we're only a couple starts removed from his win at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, right? I mean, it's just, this is a place where off the tee is going to be critical. Bryson is by far the best player in the world when it comes to off the tee metrics. Uh, getting him at 15, 16, 18 to 1 is a bit shocking for how often he wins. He's the only guy, him and Stuart Sink, uh, to win twice on tour this year. He wins a lot. So, um, that's the one that kind of stood out to me. And then, so, so that's where I, I've probably kind of focused my attention on, on outrights, right? You might, you could argue Bryson is a bit too risky for, uh, maybe your DFS lineups this week. Um, that's where John Rahm comes into play, but I think using Bryson in an outright situation, uh, and not in matchups is the way to play this. And then Rory McIlroy, you know, you have to decide what to do with Rory. I'm probably in the camp of trying to be early on Rory. So he's 19 to one in some places. I've seen him at 20. William Hill has him at 20 to one. Um, I have to check Circa and see what he's at uh, at Circa because he's probably 22 there. Let me check real quick. Okay, he's 18 at Circa. So uh, William Hill, as of right now, hanging the best line here, 20 to one. Uh, th- this is, you kind of decide where you need to fall on, on Rory McIlroy. We haven't seen him since the Masters. Um, missed the cut there. He's now working with a new swing coach. It's been, what, almost a month? Uh, Going back to a place where he has really thrived. I mean, I I don't know how else to describe. He's been unbelievable. He's got seven top tens. He's the only guy who's won it twice. He's he's run away with it here before. This kind of feels like a good spot to get right. Remember when, so there was this Jordan Spieth momentum too when he had the 91 days off for... um, uh, for for the sh- tour shutdown, and then he came back at Colonial, and that was like the best place he could have come back. And I can't remember how he finished, but the idea is still the same. Like, I would rather be early and try to guess on Rory this week than maybe see four or five weeks, and maybe we see signs of him getting better and these odds drop. Because the second he starts winning again, you're not going to see a 20-to-1 number at William Hill. He's going to be half this. He's going to be with Rom and, and JT and Bryce, and he's going to be 10-to-1. So I think you really have to decide, is it worth a bet this week? I think the argument is yes. Um, I, think there, I think there's a pretty good argument to be made that you should bet Rory here, and then you should look at what his number is. Let me see if I can find this on for the PGA Championship because he's going to go back to Kiowa, and if things are right, let me let me just let me just check this this number quick. So he's eighteen to one at Kiowa on DraftKings. Let's see if I can find him on William Hill here. And he's 16 to 1. So I think there's a I think there's an argument to be made that you should almost bet Rory this week and at the PGA Championship right now. Because if he wins this week, those odds are going to get slashed when he goes back to Kiowa, a place that he's won. So I think there's a really good argument to be made uh, about that. 
and, and trying to get him early here. So that is probably what I will do. Um, and that's how I'll handle Rory, and I'm happy to be wrong. But I don't, also don't want to worry about getting him in DFS lineups or worry, worrying about him in one and done. Like, I only care about one position with Rory McIlroy. It's, it's the top one, and I think I'm willing to just place an outright on it. Outside of that, uh, Joaquin Neiman, 35 to one. Uh, he, I think sets up perfectly for this. He can hit a draw. He hits it long. He's much better than people realize he's 35 to one. He's probably going to be very popular on DraftKings. So if you want to fade him there, bet the outright number. He's 35 to one. I'm kind of willing to go right back to Emiliano Grillo and Keegan Bradley. They're 66 and 70 to one respectively. I actually saw Keegan was 80 to one yesterday. So that is shortening a bit. Um, th- those two guys had devastatingly public, I don't want to call them embarrassments last week, but, but Grillo goes from third place to missing the cut from Thursday to Friday. He was popular, sets up well for, for, um, Quail Hollow. And then Keegan, who Keegan laid the blueprint. If you would not have watched Sunday, or if you would have not watched a single shot all week and you would have just looked at, uh, the metrics and the results for Keegan, you would say he's knocking on the door. Because he gained 12 strokes from tee to green, he was a positive putter, and he finished runner-up. You would be you'd be licking your chops to get Keegan right now. Or if he did what he did uh, on Sunday, if he did that on Thursday, and he flies up the leaderboard on Sunday, we would have a completely different perception of Keegan Bradley. I'm going back and, and riding that until the wheels fall off for Keegan. Um, a little bit further, I still think Stewart Sink at 75-1 to 1 is too long. He He's... Very long off the tee. He hits more greens than basically anybody on the PGA Tour. Um, I, I, I can't imagine he's going to win for the third time, but uh, what about a top 10 number? He is he's 7-1 to one to finish inside the top 10. I think he is completely undervalued. And then the last one for me is Matt Jones, uh, 100-1. to one. You know, I, I showed this, um, I've showed this throughout the week. He is much better than people want to give him credit for you know they want to give him credit for that one win at the honda classic which i'm certainly not going to take away from him but it is a much more sustained uh, run of great golf for matt jones than people want to want to give him credit for so here we go since the start of 2021 i'm just sorting this field by strokes gain total and matt jones is right here 1.2 strokes gained per round it is right behind bryson dechambeau it is better than max homa patrick reed keegan bradley abraham answer sung jm tony finau all guys that we would say are better than matt jones and they're all being hung with shorter numbers matt jones much longer 100 to 1 really like the way he sets up for quail hollow um so that's kind of how I'm rounding out my card. Uh, I'm going to take advantage of some of the guys that I don't feel comfortable with in DFS and 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 move them over to uh, my betting card and kind of hedge it a little bit that way. Let's see if I can find some head-to-head matchups here. Let's see what we've got. This is the head-to-head matchup tool on rickrungood.com. Let's see. Okay, this one is interesting. Keegan versus Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler. Keegan versus Ricky. I'm going to start with since the start of 2020 and see what this says. Okay. Darn near a coin flip, right? 50.7% for Keegan. If we go more recent, let's do since, since the restart, that would have been like June 1st. So let's do June 1st. Keegan goes to 52%. Let's go to September 1st of 2020. Keegan goes to 61%. Let's go to January 1st of this year. Keegan stays at 61%. So the the shorter term you get 
the bigger the favorite is. If we stick with that 61% number, that puts his money line at about minus 121. Uh, DraftKings has him at minus 125, so this would probably be a Keegan over Ricky Fowler bet. Uh, let's see what else we have here. Patrick Reed versus Joaquin Neiman. Neiman's been really good. I know Reed has a victory. Neiman has been really good. This is since the start of the 2021 calendar year. So since January, even with that victory, I have Joaquin Neiman winning this 56% of the time. He is the dog. He's well, he's minus 110. You're laying the juice, but he's the dog to Patrick Reed's minus 120. So I this would have to be a Joaquin Neiman over Patrick Reed bet. That is pretty far off. I think I think DraftKings has the wrong guy as the favorite. Um People are not realizing how good Joaquin Neiman has been. He's been spectacular. And he doesn't have a trophy on the mantle to show for it, but he hasn't missed the cut in like 17 straight events, which is incredibly valuable in a head-to-head matchup situation. He's got a bunch of top 10 finishes. He's long off the tee. People really don't realize it. So I think we're at Keegan over Ricky Fowler. Don't feel, I feel feel good about that one. Uh, The Neiman over Reed, that one seems to be pretty far off. And then let's see if I can find one more here that might be... This one is interesting to me. I don't know what to expect from this one. It is Bubba Watson and Shane Lowry. And I'm wondering what time frame each one of these guys is going to be favored in. So uh, recently, since the start of 2021... Lowry, I have winning this 73% of the time. But if you go back to the start of 2020, I bet you Bubba... Yeah, Bubba takes over here. He's 52% because Lowry's really only started to turn it on in his last probably three or four starts. Uh, Bubba's been... He had a really good stretch, you know, through at the end of 2020, and then he kind of um, started to play a little bit worse into the beginning of 2021, and now he's back on an uptick. So uh, this is kind of how you interpret this or what time frame that you want to use. Probably a no bet for me, but I think we found a couple of others. Uh, let's talk one and done this week because it's kind of an interesting situation that we have on our hands. It's it's not a huge event um, with a lot of prize money, but we're we're kind of at that point where you need to figure out where you're at. This is my one and done. This is the run good one and done. This is the one we started at the Safeway. So we probably started well before a lot of other pools did. So we are midway through section uh, segment three. Caster Joshua at the top, 11.5 million. Nash the Flash right behind Chappy Chaps, Graybo, and Ugro rounding out, Ugri, excuse me, rounding out the top five. Um, you know, for me, th- this is where you really need to start playing your position. And and I talk about this in passing a lot, but I want to I want to spend a little bit of time on this. If you are so I'll use an example of of my pool, but of course this is going to be in terms of your your own. We have 363 players in in mine. Um if you're Caster Joshua, if you're Nash the Flash, if you're one of these guys who are over 10 million, you're front running, you're inside the top 10, you're inside the top 20, I don't think you have to be all that crazy. You just start chalking it up week in and week out. Maybe if you want to try to um, look at the guys above you to see who have they who have they used, who haven't they used. So for example, let's say you wanted to play I don't know. Let's just say you wanted to play Tony Finau this week and you were in 20th. You're Bat Ranger. You're in 20th. Would you look, you should look up the guys ahead of you to see how many have used Tony Finau. If 10 of them have, that might solidify your idea to play him because it's like, well, half of these guys can't even use them. Probably only one or two will. And if Finau goes out and has a good week, like I think he will, I don't, I don't know if I think he will. I'm just using that as an example. I would move up the leaderboard in quite a significant way, but I'm using a guy who has some of the shorter odds. I don't need to go 
all the way down the board. That's that's a way to differentiate yourself a little bit if you are still near the top of the board. If you are not near the top of the board, um, if you need to make up ground, if you are in the bottom half, if you are trying to uh, make a move, now's the time. Uh, events like this, uh, you know, you what you could do is you could take it's it's kind of weird. The the non-majors, the non-WGCs are a really good time to use the favorites, right? Justin Thomas, John Ron Bryson, DeChambeau. Most of most people will be saving them for a major or have already used them already. If you have access to them, now might be the time because you're going to get an an, op, an opportunity to get the guy who is likely to win the golf tournament and more likely to win the golf tournament and at a low ownership. The other way to do this is start going further down the board. Um, you know, I don't know how far you need to go. It depends on how big your pool is. If you're playing with 3000 other people and you're in 2000th, you probably need to go pretty far down the board. You might need to go with a Emiliano Grillo, a Tommy Fleetwood, a Russell Henley, a Matt Wall, like someone who is you're, you know, there might only be 10 or 20 of you that have him. And if he wins it, uh, you are going to fly up the board. Uh, a Matt Jones, right? I like the way he sets up. He's won this year. Someone like that. Maybe you can earn a million bucks, $700,000 from him and, and move your way up the board. So you really, I don't love that strategy as much because you really start to put yourself in, into a situation where you're playing guys that are 2% to win, 1% to win. Um, it really becomes, you, you then get further behind. So I like completely rearranging the idea of who you're going to save for what event and going with the studs at events like these. And then when you get to major championships, using some of those second or third tier guys, because the fields are so deep, that is usually a good way. And we have enough events left. We've got what? 25 events left, something like that, where you can, if you do this consistently week in, week out, you get lucky a couple of times. You can ideally make up grounds, but you can't wait. You cannot wait until there's six events to go. Uh, before you start trying to differentiate yourself. Know your position right now, play your position right now, and make your picks accordingly. So with all that being said, uh, who's the play for this week? I I don't mind Rory, right? Rory is a guy that I don't think we are feeling comfortable trusting in major championships, right? Or trusting in situations um, where if if he whiffs, like at the Masters, it costs you a ton. I think I used him at Riviera, missed the cut there. That didn't go so well for me. But if I still had him available, going back to a place with some time off, highly motivated, Feels like a great spot for Rory. Uh, I would not mind using him in a one-and-done situation. I wouldn't mind using Joaquin Neiman. Talked a lot about him. This should be a perfect setup for him, uh, and I think he's better than people realize. Guys that I would probably avoid, as much as I love Max Homa, he's going to get the boost just because he won this event and he's been playing well. Max Homa, to his own credit, is at a point where he plays well everywhere. I don't think we need to be uh, with the masses and trying to run him out at an event that he is defending. And then Victor Hovland, you know, Victor Hovland did, um, exactly what I would have liked from him last week, which is just four really good rounds. You look up on Sunday afternoon and he's in third. That that's what I want from Victor Hovland. He was great from Tita green found the putter when he, when that putter gets going, he's hard to stop. And we know he's just been, um, capable of, of piling up top tens. Uh, this is a place that off the tee, he can thrive. I would not mind that at all. If you're looking for a really off the wall pick, let's see. How about, and somebody I haven't talked about yet. Bam. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know if I should force this. I, I, I think Bubba's interesting. Bubba is great off the tee. We know that. Um, gets gets hot at times, right? We saw that at the match play until he ran into Brian Harmon. Uh, basically a top 25 at the Masters. He finishes eighth with his partner at the Zurich Classic. That was Scotty Scheffler. Plays well at the Valspar. So he's playing well right now. This is a place he should be able to bomb it. He hasn't played here since, I think, 2013. He does have a... He has a top five finish. I don't know if it's a runner-up, but it was like 2009, but that was like three starts ago for him here. So it's kind of weird. Uh, doesn't have a lot, of, a lot of history around this event, but I wouldn't mind Bubba at all. All right, I think that'll do it. Let me know who you're going with this week. Drop it in the comments. Uh, also tweet me and let me know, at Rick Run Good. Leave a comment below. I'll talk to you guys soon. Best of luck this week.